0: Are we ready? <laughs>
1: sure, let's go You're with like, that. You're like, sure. Let's go,
0: right. with, let's go with ready. That's what we are.
1: <laughs> ready, player one.
0: Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Grainy. I'm the provincial affairs reporter. And it's Friday, May 25th, 2018. And this is the Pipeline Party Poopers edition. With me today, we have a little tiny podcast crew today because it's summer, and I guess everyone's taken vacation at the same time. Not us. Not us. No. You can count on us, guys. Paula Simons, how are you? I'm here loyally, even though I should be in bed taking care of this cold. <laughs> You're not well at all. And your dog woke you up. Issa, a... Yes. Naughty dog. But so cute. So completely forgiven. Dave Breckenridge, how are you?
1: I do not have a cold.
0: Excellent. And so. your dog is better behaved than mine. Uh, <laughs> he was being
1: a bit of a turkey this morning, but that's—he gets um, excited when he sees other dogs when we're out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's reacting. What happened, Brett? Nothing. Nothing. There nothing were no dramatic? incidents. Okay. No, but he just kind of jumps and barks and and stuff. And you see, my
2: dog woke me up at five fifteen, and the benefit of taking a walk that early in the morning. No and we, dogs. We walked four kilometers, and we didn't meet any dogs. <laughs> we didn't meet anybody.
0: <laughs> Feel free to email me all your dog stories, <laughs> people of Alberta. Canada, wherever you are. Should we we talk about pipelines now? Yeah, I guess so. It's not as exciting as dogs, but whatever. Uh, So we're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to be talking about the Western Premier's Conference in Yellowknife. Who were the party poopers? And who wouldn't sign something? Party pooper alert, for sure. Also, an update on the latest pipeline kerfuffle, because it just never, ever stops. And finally, we're going to talk very briefly about a new old hire. Uh, that the government has made and how that looks for the NDP. Okay, so let's start with the premier's conference because Yellowknife, I've never been there, but I've heard it's a lovely place. Well, of the and you didn't country. get a chance to go. No, I didn't, <laughs> because Rachel Notley, of course, said she's not going to go to the Western premier's conference because that would be polar, uh, surreal, and exceptionally tone deaf. <laughs> Which is probably, probably right, maybe ish. Yeah. What do you think about? It? Were you surprised that she didn't show up?
2: Well, I was surprised that it way it happened. You know, Victoria Day, nice holiday Monday, everybody enjoying the sunshine, and suddenly there's there's her tweet, which was, I mean, really quite extraordinary. I mean, that kind of language is not the language that we're used to from Notley at least we weren't up until up until the last six weeks yeah she's been um, putting
0: her sassy pants on yeah so yeah, this, this
2: was quite the tweet saying you know she's not going and you know she's not going to sit down with Horgan and talk about cannabis legislation and pharmacare uh, with people who are not letting her pipeline be built uh, and it's interesting I mean Stephen Mandel was fairly quick out the gate to condemn her and say she should go I mean you know the and that is certainly an argument that the if, Alberta if, party leader yeah, yeah yeah Stephen Mandel former mayor of Edmonton now leader of the of the Alberta party uh, certainly there's an argument to be made that you go and you have the discussion but she's had lots of opportunities to have a discussion with John Horgan this isn't like Trump and you know North Korea uh, she has plenty of opportunities to speak to Mr. Horgan and You know, was this performative? Yes. I mean, this was political theater of the highest order. And it's not like Alberta boycotted completely. I mean, we sent Deputy Premier Sarah Hoffman in, given that most of the discussion seemed to have been health-themed. The fact that we sent the health minister wasn't completely, you know completely irrational but certainly I mean it was quite the
0: bravura prima donna performance
2: I am not going and you can't make me
0: (laughs) her exact tweet was by the way it would be surreal and exceptionally tone deaf for anyone to think we could politely discuss pharmacare and cannabis when one of the players is hard at work trying to choke the economic lifeblood of the province and the country oh yes choke choke you know choke the economic
2: lifeblood I mean that's pretty you know you can see John Horgan's hands wrapping round. you know (laughs)
1: He looks like the type who's capable. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Take this all in context. Um you know, I I think Stephen Mandel was condemning her for the wrong reason. I think that I know that, that Sarah Hoffman had her role to play in her in continuing the bit of political theater by showing up and saying, Everyone sign a declaration that we support Kinder Morgan or we're not gonna sign the other thing um but at the same time if you're gonna boycott just boycott just just say forget it we don't want to have conversations with you we're not going we're not gonna we don't want to take part i think that was the that's what the province should have done i think that they should have skipped it completely that's just me and if you want to make a statement don't send anybody
0: yeah, I asked, I asked the Premier that because I was wondering about the very same thing. So she had a press conference on Tuesday, went along to that. It was so cold in the press gallery, by the way, that oh, I... It always
2: is. I mean, you can hang meat in that room.
0: Really? But not just in the press conference. Like, in our offices, it's freezing. Oh. So I took my little Nana rug that I always have at the back of my chair and I had it draped over my, <laughs> draped over my legs and the Premier came in to, you know, start a press conference and then she looked at me because I'm in the front row. She's like... Emma, are you that cold? I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's very cold down here. She's like, I don't. okay. And I'm thinking this is hilarious because this is being broadcast live, I'm pretty sure, and I'm <laughs> getting told I shouldn't be wearing my Nana rug. Anyway, I asked the Premier about, well, if you're that pissed off with Horgan and with BC, why not just not go? And she kind of said, well, these are important issues and we do need to talk about them and we need to have our place at the table, but it's just that... I've got other stuff to do. I've got to be talking to Kinder Morgan. I've got to be talking to the feds.
2: Well, yes. I mean, in, yeah, in fairness, because she didn't just say, I'm going to stay here and hold my breath till I turn blue. She said, I have no. more important things to do than, you know, that I can do from Edmonton. That they're more urgent than flying to Yellowknife.
0: Yes. Uh, she was asked, can't you just do that from Yellowknife? Because, you know, they do have phones, right? <laughs> that was Michelle <laughs> Belafonte from CBC. <laughs> and she went, no, I don't know. I, I know that. But if you're in hours and hours of meetings, then you really can't be focused on, you know, the whole pipeline issue. So I guess that's why they didn't go. And Dave, further to your point about not signing on the communique, as they call it. That's it. Communique. So it had a bunch of issues. It had pharmacare, it had cannabis legalization, justice. It was a whole mishmash of issues. So yeah, Sarah Hoffman, Deputy Premier, turned up and said, Alberta would like it please. If you could also add just a little subhead, put Trans Mountain, and just put <laughs> that all of us and just put that all of us around the table right now support Trans Mountain. Yeah? Can we do that? And basically they went no, no. John Horgan said uh, in his in the closing press conference, "We had very frank and fulsome discussions, and Alberta as Alberta always does, made their case passionately. However, uh, you know, it's just we didn't come to the agreement that we were all going to give Trans Mountain the big old thumbs up in the Premier's meeting. Surprise to nobody,
1: I think. Which is which is funny, you know, because I thought John Horgan's line was, I'm not against the pipeline, I'm against what's in it. So why wouldn't he sign something that says we support the pipeline? I thought that was his whole thing. I'm going to stop Trans Mountain because I don't want Dilbit in it, and we don't know if it's safe, and we want all these studies done. Can
0: you imagine how that would have looked if he'd signed on something saying, yeah, Trans Mountain, two thumbs up, we support it. There's no know, way
2: he was going to that.
1: I know, but it's
2: yeah but what this <laughs> just what, what this just <laughs> underlines is that all these western premier 's conferences, like most of these premier 's conferences, are largely political theater in and of themselves. I thought, such was,
1: a I, th- well, I thought it was cynic.
2: I thought well, I thought it was interesting that after Mandel uh, critiqued uh, Notley for not going, Thomas Lukekazaza um who haunts us still uh, <laughs> was, was on Hi, twitter <laughs> With you know Thomas LeCasic for, for those of you who've just joined us Thomas LeCasic was the former deputy premier to premier Allison Redford uh Thomas LeCasic and former uh, uh challenged Jim Prentice for the leadership
0: of the old PC party and was once famously called an asshole by Jason Kenney in a reply yeah. all email a complete and utter sorry
2: uh just so that we can <laughs> so so Thomas LeCasic context st- is important still very busy on twitter um you know, said, "Well, no, it was it was perfectly reasonable for Notley not to go because it's not like it's not like a lot gets done at these premiers conferences. It's it's largely uh, for show in the first place.
1: Then why do we have them and spend money to go and all of that if nothing gets done and they're symbolic? Why? Ha- That's a you know a whole other That's, discussion that that is, we could have. That's a I would, philosophical I discussion
2: for another day. Mm-hmm. You, oh, theater. so you're a party pooper of the you know
1: of the <laughs> conference variety. <laughs> That's right." Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: I just I just love that when they're all together it's called the Council of the Federation because as I have said before I was a complete Star Trek nerd growing up. <laughs> and whenever they say the Council of the Federation, I sort of imagine that um, you know, that there are Klingons and Ferengi and uh, Romulans and I guess Romulans aren't part of the Federation.
0: But you know. I've um, never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life, Paula, so what you're saying right now might as well be in Russian.
1: I do not Discovery. know what you're talking <laughs> about. That's very good. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's- and
0: Andorans. It could be And Dorans
2: there. They're my yes. favorite, like sort of like with that green-blue skin and the little antenna, they go wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. That's what I imagined when I imagined the Council of the Federation. I think, I think Rachel Notley would make a good
0: Andoran. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know. <laughs> so basically they didn't go to the Premier's meeting. Well, no, Sarah Hoffman went to the Premier's conference, rather. They signed a declaration. Alberta said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. Send that off to Ottawa. She made a point of saying repeatedly throughout the press conference, uh, the closing press conference, and which was a similar message that Notley put out there before uh, on, on the Tuesday press conference when she said she wasn't going. And she was like, you know what, we're just going to be at the table. They, they want to talk about pharmacare and investing in justice and all infrastructure and stuff well, that all costs money and, quote, Pharmacare doesn't grow on trees and that's yeah, why no, we so, need to be yeah. there and push so, the pipeline. So all brought back to the pipeline, you know, with the yeah, argument
2: being made again and again that if you want all those nice things, maybe you would like to have a gross domestic product <laughs> and maybe you would like to be able to get your oil to market. So, you know, she didn't, she didn't, waste any opportunities to hammer home this point doing her whole Iron Maid Iron Maiden, sorry, I have a cold her whole Iron Lady shtick again. And I, do, I mean I do find it endlessly fascinating because I really do believe that if we had a conservative premier, whether that was a progressive conservative or a wild rose or a UCP premier, they could not get away with saying these things, that there would be much more of a national backlash. And I think her NDP street cred does insulate her in certain ways. Not, I mean, the other thing we should note is that this week she went hard, hard, hard after the national leader of the party, right? I mean, she's not pulling any punches there either. I guess that was late last week. But, you know, and continuing this week.
1: uh, And continuing this week. I think to your point, we've already seen that a conservative leader takes stances that Notley takes and gets blasted for it. I mean, Jason Kenney was basically mocked and ridiculed for months ago suggesting we should turn off the taps and then lo and oh behold my God, you
0: actually just quoted him directly that's exactly what he says in every press conference mocked and ridiculed oh. <laughs> you actually just quoted jason <laughs> kenny directly that was amazing
1: unintentional but that but he was there was backlash against him for <laughs> suggesting that and then rachel notley goes and does, puts the turn off the taps bill in place and and jason kenny said wait, wait hey wait a second i did that Said that months ago, and ah, oh, you're just yes. Yeah, because you know.
0: when he says it, he sounds like a Klingon, and when she says it, she sounds like an Andorran. And <laughs> back, so back to the Star Trek <laughs> thing. Well, and Jason Kenny, of course. Speaking of things that people say, Jason Kenny did apologise in a way, kind <laughs> of ish. About what he said about Justin Trudeau last week. Yes,
2: because you'll recall that last week, Dave and I had a disagreement about how bad it was that Jason Kenney, said <laughs> the, said the Prime Minister bad. of Canada had the depth of a finger bowl and couldn't read a briefing note longer than what's written on the back of a cocktail napkin. So yesterday <laughs> on Power and Politics on CBC... He gave the most grudging. Well, I, I just realized that maybe that's. I just you know, realized, I just realized. Just, just occurred to just me. Just occurred to me that if I set out to be not giving ad hominem attacks, maybe I should also not give ad hominem attacks. <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and, and then he's asked, you know, well, do you, would you apologize to the prime minister? He goes, like, yeah. You know, just yes, sure, whatever. whatever. If You're I like, must. Yeah, sure. you know, it's if the I'm most grudging. I so, know. yes, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Jason Kenney and I had a little discussion on Twitter last night. Um, I said, well, you know, well, what if you were prime minister, what would you actually do to get Trans Mountain built? I mean, it's fine to say that you don't think Trudeau's doing enough, but what would you actually do? And so while I was asleep, he tweeted out his 14 point plan, (laughs) uh, uh, 14, 16 points. There were a lot of tweets, uh, which I read this morning at 515 when my dog woke me up. And uh, some of them were... Really performative things. Oh, you know, I would I would you know, use the clause that says it's a national project. Well, you know, as every constitutional law prof and economist has said, that means nothing. I mean, saying that is fine, but it's already they've already said that they've already said that, you know, and then he said, well, I would seek from the Supreme Court a reference that says that, you know, that this is a matter in federal jurisdiction. Well, it is a matter in federal jurisdiction. So, I mean, again... And that's literally what BC is doing, and we kick up a stink about it. Yeah. So, you know, and and then he said basically a whole long list of things he would do that would be punitive to British Columbia uh, with transfer payments and infrastructure dollars. And I think to myself, well, is that the way to convince British Columbians? I'm not entirely certain that punishing them, using the the force of the federal government to punish a province when you don't like what they're doing, is a precedent that as a prime minister, you would want to set. And I'm not sure that as somebody who wants to be the premier of a Western province, I mean, there's a long history in this country of the federal government interfering in provincial Mm. jurisdiction in, you know, in order to get its way. That's not something traditionally that Alberta premiers have been
0: big fans of. No. Um, I want to switch gears over to, well, same thing, basically. Well, not same, similar ballpark pipelines so alberta is being sued by british columbia now over bill 12 which was passed hasn't been proclaimed yet has received royal assent fun fact but um won't be proclaimed until all the regulations are done so that will be whenever it will be uh the premier was asked about this on tuesday um basically when when bc came out and said you know what? Your bill twelve. They turn off the taps. So-called turn off the taps legislation. It's unconstitutional, and we are suing you about it. So well, I mean, they can't literally be suing them. Yeah, you are being. I've seen the yeah that the court doc. You are being sued. Yeah, you are a defa- you are being sued. You are a defendant, and it's a constitutional question. Huh. Yeah, it's strange, but there you have that it. It's in the Alberta th- Court of th- Queen's Bench. I love
1: That's I love the irony, and many people have pointed out the oh, irony. Yeah. The BC government doesn't want the pipeline. With Dilbit in it, it wants to shut that down, but at the same time, don't turn off the pipeline. Don't turn off the taps to to BC from Alberta. It's this double... We want it, we don't want it. We want it, we don't want it.
2: Exactly yeah. what do we, said we, we the don't want the pipeline. Yeah. We just want magically
0: the stuff that's in the pipeline. Yeah. We don't want your oil, but we want your oil. And we're going to sue you to get your oil, but we're also going to sue you so that you can't send us your oil.
2: <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, Vitor Marciano, who was chief of staff to Brian Jean, had a fascinating guest column in the Edmonton Journal this week. Yeah, right. In which he suggested, I mean, Vitor's uh, thesis was that BC will probably win this court challenge and that what Alberta should do is buy up all the facilities in Southern British Columbia that produce jet fuel, and then we can <laughs> we can corner the market on jet fuel. And since Vancouver is a major uh, airport, you know, serving the Pacific, uh, that if we basically hold their jet fuel hostage, then they'll have to let us build a pipeline. Again,
1: don't they have a pipeline for foreign jet fuel coming into BC? Yes, yes.
2: Yeah, so there's, but their suggestion, I think his career, su- I think his suggestion was that we should buy the plant. Um, <laughs> good on your
0: Vitor. So, you know, always thinking outside the box, Vitor. But the the problem is at this point.
2: I mean, May thirty first is coming,
0: oh, and yeah. it does. It doesn't That's matter. A week. It
2: doesn't matter what John Horgan does or doesn't do. The people we need to convince right now are not British Columbians, and they're not the government of British Columbia. The people we need to convince are Kinder Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Kinder Morgan just decides that this is not worth the hassle, that the risks, you know, the risks outweigh the potential for return, they're not going to build. And we can, you know, threaten British Columbia all we like. That's not really, you know, at, at this moment in time, that's not where we have to close the sale.
0: At that long press conference on Tuesday with the Premier, she called it uh, British Columbia trying to do a legal rope-a-dope until the cows come home. I'd like to
2: say that they stole that line from me.
0: I said <laughs> rope-a-dope on this podcast
2: weeks ago to describe British Columbia's tactics here. Um, you sound so, like Jason Kenney. Yes, you had it right,
1: though. Notley had it wrong because in rope-a-dope, the person doing the rope-a-dope wins the fight. Muhammad Ali rope a against George Foreman and George, no, and he beat George Foreman. He tired out George Foreman and then he 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 won the fight. The the metaphor is all wrong. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Just.
0: This is how I look when they say that we're bending the curve and it really really annoys me when they do it. I was like, "But the curve is by its nature already bent." Ah. That's how you're feeling right now yes. at the rope-a-dope
2: so, but, situation. But, but, but the, the reason I said rope in the first place is because th- this, <laughs> this is the problem. I mean, Horgan hasn't done anything. You know, he's threatened to do things. He's dragged his feet. He's been obstreperous. But, you know, you can't – I mean, saying we are going to have an environmental study of Dilbit I mean, until he I – mean, you can, I mean, it's his saying that that spooks Kinder Morgan, but you can't sue somebody for saying that they might have an environmental study. So, you know, I think, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are extremely angry at Justin Trudeau and Rachel Notley right now. Um, You know, Jason Kenney told the CBC that he's never seen Albertans this angry with their place in Confederation. I have to say, I worked at Alberta Report magazine during the National Energy Program and the height of the crow rate and Senate reform debates. I know from angry. Albertans have been way more angry than this in the past. I mean, back when we elected Gordon Kessler as a separatist MLA. I mean, I've seen Albertans (laughs) very, very angry. I think at this point, Albertans are frustrated. I think Albertans are, are wondering, you know, what more would they have to do? Mm. I think a lot of people, um, you know, are wondering, you know, how much more social license, I mean, you know, the realization that there's nothing, nothing Albertans can do that would convince everybody in British Columbia that this is a good idea. Uh, but, you know, to be mad at Trudeau for that seems to be putting your anger in slightly the wrong place.
0: And Albertans love to hate a Trudeau. They love to yeah, hate but a I Trudeau. Have, I just have to say that
2: Albertans hated the father way more than this. I mean, un- unlike the two of you, I was like, you know, alive and a journalist and in Alberta at that time. <laughs> and I have to say that, you know, despising Justin Trudeau is not the same as loathing Pierre Trudeau with a white, hot, burning passion, which I I think this is, you know. History repeats itself. The first time is tragedy. The second time is
0: farce. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Jason Kenney does like to key in on that Trudeau thing. That's why he mentions him so often. That's my theory. Um, let's move briefly now to a bit of a hire that the... Um, <laughs> Surprise. Yes, that the NDP government speaking, has Speaking made. of
2: history repeating itself. Yeah,
0: really, though. So the NDP has rehired one John Heaney. John Heaney, you may or may not know, is the former chief of staff to premier rachel notley he resigned to spend more time with his family in yeah, bc of course he did <laughs> to return to his first love it was it was late last year that he resigned um maybe it was in october anyway it was late last year so he it turns out has been quietly rehired by the government not as a chief of staff no no uh, he has been rehired as an executive advisor to the First, it was to the Minister of Finance, who is, of course, Joe Sisi. Now his, um, his contract has been kind of broadened, so he's also Executive Advisor in the Energy Ministry to Mark McCake Boyd. And, Emma, why is this controversial? It is controversial because John Heaney is under investigation by Alberta's Information and Privacy Commissioner, Jill Clayton, for getting involved in... VoIP responses where he should not have done. Right. To explain to people under Alberta's information and
2: access to to information and personal privacy legislation, if a journalist makes a request from a ministry to see documents, Mm. the premier's office isn't even supposed to know about it. It's supposed to be a thing that, you know, you ask a bureaucrat And they give you the documents They're not supposed to have a whole political strategy I mean, not that anybody ever actually honored that I mean, under the Tories, this was a notorious problem But you do sort of like to cherish the illusion that the NDP government Having railed about this when they were in
0: opposition Might not do it themselves when in government it was specifically about... So there are two separate issues um, that the NDP is in hot water with the Privacy Commissioner about right now. So first of all, we've got deleted emails. Now, this is an interesting little side note because basically the, this all came through the Wild Rose when they are in opposition. They, do, they just threw FOIP after FOIP after FOIP at the government. So what they did was they FOIPed how many emails, the number of emails in um, Executive Council... Uh, in and out, and sent files and in their inboxes basically. And then they flipped it again a few months later, and something like 8,000 emails had been deleted or something like that. I thought it was
1: 800,000 oh, had oh, been deleted. So that's
0: across government. That okay. was in a whole bunch of different ministries. So we, okay. that was like education and transportation. And they were running competitions for staff to delete their emails. And if you deleted the most emails, or if you deleted 25% of your email box, your name would get entered into a drawer for an iPad. <laughs> 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 pretty special time. So that is an issue, obviously. You can't just be directing people to just willy-nilly go deleting their emails. In executive council at the time, we had people like Cheryl Oates, the director of communications, had, I don't know, six emails in her, in her sent folder and like three in her inbox or something like that. So this was a separate issue that the government is also being dropped, dragged over the coals for in a way. Then there's a separate issue with John Heaney, which of course, which was the one that he's under investigation for by the Privacy Commissioner, in which Wildrose made, um, they made a request and then the they were sent an answer and then they FOIPed the FOIP request response. So basically, they investigated the. Response: yes. I mean this is a very entertaining thing to do, and I've done it myself in the past. Like you, 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 you put in your access request,
2: and you get nothing useful back. So you put in the second request, and what you see is their internal correspondence that goes, "Oh my gosh, you know, so and so has asked for this thing. You know, what can we show her? You know, what you know? Oh, I know. Let's just give her some newspaper. Free let's just, Yeah. Ah. So I mean, I, I mean that's a, It's been a while since I've done it. I imagine that. I'd like to think that they gotten a little bit more sophisticated about this because they know that we
0: can do this. No, um, I don't think so. That the they al- have. so
1: the allegation against Heaney is that um, he meddled in that process.
0: Yeah. So basically, because w- what they had FOIPed um, included some information of his. Now uh, the government says, or the the premier's office says, it's absolutely fine because if you're the subject of a FOIP request, you have every right in the world to know what you know what information is going out. Well not Wild Rose, UCP sees it a different way in that you can't be going and meddling in FOIP responses, even if you're in the middle of it. So one woman had emailed, we have to hold off on giving this back to the respondent. So we have to hold off on giving this back to Wild Rose because we're waiting for John to sign off on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it, I know I was...
0: And, and again, I mean, there's supposed to be a...
2: A political structure that releases the documents to you, not on the basis of whether they will embarrass the government or not. I mean, the only reason they're allowed to keep something back is if it would violate somebody else's privacy, privacy. if it would violate you know, con- you can't have confidential, government, uh, confidential cabinet discussions. Um, you can't have something that's going to affect a, like a personnel issue. Yeah. They can, can blackout names for stuff like that. They're not supposed to not release it to you just because it would make the government look bad. That is not how this works.
1: So how does the government defend rehiring him in the midst of all this?
0: What they do is, Dave, great question. They send you a one-paragraph statement <laughs> saying this is the work he's doing. And they're like, thank their lucky stars this came out in constituency week when there's no politicians around anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just it's horrible <laughs> optics. It is. It's like to, yeah, it is. It, it wouldn't matter if, if it was a privacy commissioner investigation, an ethics commissioner investigation, if the speaker was looking into him, it, like... I don't hiring anybody who's under investigation for any reason is a bad thing for a government to do. It just makes it look it makes them look like the people they replaced, which yeah. they, as Paula said, railed about. You we would you would hope that they would do things differently, and you know. Yet again, they're proving that no, they're just they're another political party that makes all of us cynical, and and the world <laughs> I, goes around.
2: I don't know. I mean, John Heaney's advice must be worth a heck of a lot to them because one hundred thirty. $1,000, that's yeah. how much. I mean, but, and the political costs as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope I hope he's going to give them advice that they find useful.
0: Well, he's, so the thing about John Heaney too, so he used to be the chief of staff to the NDP in BC when they're in opposition. Yes. So he and John Horgan are super tight. They're real good buds, or at least they were. So I think maybe that's probably why he got this job back, was to advise him because he's in BC some of the time. He's in Alberta some of the time. But this investigation's been going on for a bloody long time. Also,
2: well, right. I just hope I hope he's worth it.
1: I don't. But how is he going to? We've already know. Like, John Horgan's position is pretty entrenched on on <laughs> energy issues. Uh-huh. What is he going to do? I, I don't know. I don't know. Just, maybe they'll it's go. Frustrated for beer. Friday for Dave.
0: <laughs> maybe they'll go out for beers and it'll just convince him. You know, maybe.
1: If it were only that easy, I would volunteer and go hang out and <laughs> have a few pints with Mr. Horgan, and, and we'd hash it out, and Sounds I could be the work, province's savior.
0: He's saying my political genius strategy of going out with beers with people and convincing them of things is not going to work in every single situation. We should send Emma Strange. out with the head of Kinder Morgan. <laughs> that's,
2: again, that's who we need to convince. I mean, if, if, if Kinder Morgan pulls the plug next week, yeah. uh, as I reasonably expect them that they're likely to do, then all of this... All of this setting our hair on fire will mean nothing. All of
0: these podcast episodes. (laughs) Well,
2: Kinder Kinder Morgan doesn't give a flying squirrel about (laughs) about our little provincial issues. They really, really don't. What they want to know is can they get this pipeline built and can they make money on it? Exactly.
0: All right. Let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we've read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also like. Dear, lovely listeners. Paula, do you want to kick us off? I do. This week, uh,
2: we lost to the world Philip Roth, great American novelist. Uh, author of many great American novels but the one I want to recommend that people read in honor of Mr. Roth uh, is, it was a very unusual book for him, not his typical kind of thing it was called The Plot Against America and it was an alternative history of the United States, a world in which the America First movement of Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh is on the ascendant and in which America uh, doesn't enter World War II on the side of the Allies but rather uh, allies itself uh, more or less with Germany. Uh, it, and it's such a dark, disturbing, funny, twisted book. Uh, when it came out, it seemed just like a work of, you know, speculative fiction, I guess that's where you put alternative histories. Uh, right now, it seems frighteningly prescient. So I highly recommend it. And it's just a cracking good read. It's a it's a political thriller. Uh, Philip Roth's The Plot against America. At one point, I found a whole stack of them in the remainder bin at Chapters, and I bought them all. And then I gave them out as copies, uh, as as gifts to everybody I knew. In fact, my poor brother accidentally I gave it to him twice. Uh, (laughs) So he's
0: got it lying around. I'll take it because unfortunately I am now out of my. You're out of copies now. Out of copies,
2: but uh, I'll I'll go go to the the library. It's it's just it's just a great read.
0: Nice, thanks, Paula. I'm going to recommend a piece that is on ProPublica. Um, it's a collaboration between them and New York Times magazine, the author is Pamela Coloff, and it's called Blood Will Tell and it is an excellent, they've only released the first part but it's about a very popular school teacher in small town Texas who was murdered she was found um, shot and murdered in her home well her husband, a, a principal actually was at a principals conference but he was anyway arrested, charged and convicted in her death so it's whether or not it kind of goes around the blood splatter uh, testimony by the so-called expert witness, and it's fascinating. Oh, I'm really enjoying it, and I can't wait till the next part, which comes out soon. I hope, Dave.
1: Um, I'm going to recommend a podcast that uh, just dropped this week. It is a five-episode uh, podcast from ESPN and ESPN Films. They do the Thirty for Thirty series of films. It's the, so good. The, Films are fantastic. They're on season three of their 30 for 30 podcast, and it's uh, five episodes on one topic, and it's about the rise, scandal, and disgrace, uh, disgracing of the founder of Bikram Yoga, Bikram oh, yeah. Chowdhury. I'm, do- can- I'm going to listen to this because
0: yeah. that guy, oh, sorry. Can-
1: yeah, so he can't. I just started it. I just finished the first episode, and it's really good, and I can't wait to listen to the rest of them. Um, It's about how he came to America in the 70s and became famous through being the yoga guru to the stars. And Shirley MacLaine was one of the people that pushed him on their community, Uh, but it involves fame, wealth, and a sex scandal. And it's, of course it does. Yes, it does. And I think there were sexual assault allegations uh, involved in this as well. Like I oh, said, yeah. I just listened to the first episode and it's really good so far.
0: Fantastic. I hate hot yoga. It's the worst thing. I love yoga, but hot yoga, just um, Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Paula, Dave, dear listeners... <laughs> In this empty studio, it feels very empty, even though there's only one less person, doesn't it feel? Well, and we don't have a videographer today. So. That is true as well. Um, but yes, as always, we do encourage you to subscribe and leave us a review on wherever you pick up your podcast. And if you have any questions, comments or concerns, shoot me a note. You can email me at egraney at postmedia.com or I'm exceptionally easy to find on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. And if you want to follow you guys, you should follow our guests on the podcast. What's your Twitter handle, Paula? Uh, It's politics,
2: P-A-U-L-A-T-I-C-S, politics, and not, as one of our dear colleagues once referred to it, politics. (laughs) (laughs) Brett?
1: Uh, Breakenridge, Y-E-G, B-R-E-A-K-E-N-R-I-D-G-E, Y-E-G.
2: Thanks, guys. And you can can follow my dog, too. She's on Instagram. She is. She's on Instagram at at Issa of Edmonton.
0: Yes, and they are the (laughs) cutest photos, honestly. Every now and again, they come up through my feed. I was like, Issa, so cute. Thanks for joining me this week, you guys, and we'll be back again this time next week for more Alberta politics fun on the Press Gallery.